Hi, and welcome to Bloody Good Reads. I'm your host, Mark Goddard, and we have yet another amazing guest on this week. Uh, it's a guest I've been trying to get on since last year, uh, but we haven't been able to kind of match up schedule. But finally, she is on the podcast this week. And brilliant Simon, because her book Behind Her Eyes is now out on Netflix as a TV series, which is quite amazing. And the new book, Dead to Her, is, came out last year as well. Our guest today I know quite well from her horror stories. And as we are a horror, thriller and crime podcast, we've got lots to talk about in this one here as well. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Sarah Pimbrough. Thank you very much. We finally got our diaries to collide. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I haven't cancelled, and yeah, that's good. <laughs> and you're uh, you're day two of a five day podcast recording session, so uh, uh, at least you're on the early part of my uh, being awake for podcasting. <laughs> I did see that on Twitter that you had a busy week. Yeah, I don't know why I booked myself in for so many, but we'll, we'll <laughs> I'm sure I'll regret it by Thursday. Um, but yes, welcome to the podcast. Um, what we like to do here is um, invite authors on to chat about their work and to force them to pick three books in the style of Desert Island Discs and uh, see what books that you read yourself and what you recommend. So um, I'm going to start the podcast off like I always do. So as you start off in horror, have you always been a fan of horror and how did you start getting into writing? Um, yeah, I was always a fan of horror. I think I I, I was one of those kids who never, never really slept and my mum thought I was just hyperactive, but actually... I was just really scared of the dark and like monsters and things under the bed and you know all that kind of stuff and then when I went to boarding school they had all mm. all the kind of old Pam Booker horrors and that kind of you know all those anthology books were always in the um, playroom and I started to read them and then obviously mm. like anyone of my advancing years um, that grew up in the 80s there was James Herbert and then obviously Stephen King came along so, yeah, and I still, you know, I still am a, a fan of horror. And, I, you know, I, I think I probably watch more horror than I read these days. But, yeah, so it was, it, was the, it was probably the most natural place for me to start my writing career. And I started writing sort of little short stories and stuff just for my, my own sort of amusement, really. And then, um, yeah, then I, I wrote six horror novels for Leisure Books in America were my first six novels and, and they were sort of very straight horror novels and leisure was a huge name before they kind of folded they were huge of horror i know we didn't get many of them over in this country but the store of waterstones i worked in um the guy knew a lot about kind of you know american horror and all that and so many good books came out of leisure yeah it was very prescriptive but it was you know it was it was a, a really good learning curve. I mean, they paid terrible money. And when they folded, I think they owed people a lot of money. And, and Amazon bought the rights. And you could either sell all your books to Amazon and they would pay you what leisure owed or you could have your rights back. So I took my rights back because I figured that that would probably be the only chance I'd ever get. But what was quite entertaining was that by accident, they sold one for like two months or something. And they'd put it on a special promotion. But of course they had no right to, so they had to give me all the money, which was probably about $3,000, which was not bad going, given that it was like, you know, it wasn't like I was a celebrated author or anything. And I thought, oh, maybe I should have let them happen. But, you know, I, I might bring them all out again. But yeah, they were, um, they were, if you wanted to write horror, I mean, like Tim Leban was kind of a year ahead of me there. And I think Mark Morris had a couple of books out with them. And obviously, Brian Keane was big with them. So if you wanted to write that kind of straight horror, 
and have fun with it. Leisure was probably the only place to go at that point because the horror market had pretty much imploded in the UK. Yeah. And when I was, it was, I was lucky. I'd gone to America. Um, I say I was lucky. I'd gone to America to get married, which was the biggest mistake. Well, I mean, I've made some pretty big mistakes, but that was one big one. Um, but when we were coming back at the airport, I saw um, a couple of these like horror paperbacks in the airport and bought a couple for the plane. And I literally just started writing The Hidden, which was my first ever book. And I remember seeing sort of the back of the books and thinking, this is a perfect home for it. And, and, thank, and they bought it. So, you know, it was a good learning curve. And I think it, I wouldn't have had the deals I had subsequently had I not started there. So yeah, I I heard a lot of the uh, the stories coming off the end of it all, and we had Tim LeBon on before on the podcast, and a couple of other leisure leisure authors, and it's a shame. It's a shame how it ended up. It really was, but like I said, it, it it's it's a good place to start, kind of with your writing, and and a lot of the authors were exactly the same kind of kind of situation. But you know, you've gone yeah. on to some great things after that. <laughs> so. I think what was the most frustrating was they didn't ever edit. They literally just changed got to gotten. So I never really, there had so many things that were wrong with like, you know, and I, I haven't opened one of those books for years because I'm terrified to look inside them. So it wasn't until I moved on to the lamps that I ever got edited. And I was like, oh, as they started to move my sentences around. You know, like, so, yeah. so what was um, your inspiration by The Hidden? So what made you want to kind of go go to that as your first book? Oh my gosh. Well, I had I'd actually written the first three pages of it, which I think is a woman waking up with amnesia. A woman waking up with a headache and she goes into the bathroom, she sees something in the mirror and she collapses and then she wakes up in, with amnesia. And I'd written those three pages, I think maybe two years before I even started the book. And I was living in Devon and I was just going through some old paperwork and I found those three pages. And then I sort of, the idea came to me from there. So, I mean, I'm going back, it's a long time ago, so it's hard to remember entirely. But that, I remember that I'd had those three pages for a long time with no kind of idea where it was going to go. Yeah. And so I think, you know, and it was kind of Barker-esque, King-esque. I mean, obviously nowhere near as good as either of those. But it had that kind <laughs> of, you know, I, could, my, I was wearing my influences on my on my sleeve, definitely, with mm. that book. But, you know, I mean, it's cool. it's... It was it was very long. I remember it was like one hundred twenty thousand words, which probably could have been about eighty thousand mm. words. <laughs> but, you know, because I remember the first one of your books I read was Breeding Ground. Oh my god! Again, worked for Waterstones, and we had such a huge horror section. And the guy who ran our department was uh, quite heavily into again, again, a lot of leisure books. He's like, oh, you know, I I started off with a lot of the kind of teeny horror. I just just started at Waterstones. I was quite young. Very naive. And he goes, here you go. Here's Jack Ketchum and Sir Girl Next Door. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's your first one. Yeah, that's a change. But no, then he goes, I read Breeding Ground. So, you know, the ideas of giant spiders, I think, I hate spiders. Yeah, <laughs> So this I. is going to scare the hell out of me. And it's an amazing book. So, yeah, you did Breeding Ground, Taken, Feeding Ground. And you went on to Torchwood after that. Yes, I did. Um, I was teaching and I really wanted to kind of, take some time out and and I needed a bit more money and I remember Mark Morris was writing um Doctor Who books and Mm. he emailed me and was like oh they're gonna start doing a Torchwood line would you be interested in you know in writing them and 
you know, I think there were 50,000 words and it was five grand, which going back, you know, I mean, to put it into context, I was getting $2,000 or $2,500 for each letter book, you know? So by the time you've been to one convention, okay. you've spent that. Yeah. So, you know, that's how badly they paid for advances. So I was like, oh, you know, 50,000 words, 5,000 pounds. I could probably do that in a month, you know, and then I could have a bit of money mm. behind me to go part-time teaching, whatever. Um, but the, the slight downfall was that I hadn't actually seen Torchwood. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to pitch for it. So I went to the classroom next door. I remember going in and my friend Lucy mm. was there. And I was like, is there any way that... And George was a computer whiz kid, which is as close as I'm going to get to saying how I got hold of Torchwood overnight. And I was like, I need to see this, mm -hmm. this Torchwood. And then I watched the whole thing. And I really enjoyed it, actually. I liked it better than Doctor Who. So then I pitched and I ended up doing two of those. And then I did a, a novella as well, I think. And actually that money paid for me to take, I, I wasn't going to quit my job. I wasn't going to quit teaching. It wasn't like I thought, oh, I'm going to go full time. But I just thought that'll give me money to take six months out because teaching, you know, I'd been ahead of English. Yeah. I could always go back into teaching. And I thought, well, I'll take six months mm -hmm. out. And I wanted to write something a bit different. I wanted to write a sort of dystopian crime thing based on paradise lost which became a matter of blood um so i thought that would give me the time to do that um and then i never went back to teaching so yes torchwood actually kind of helped kick start my kind of new career as it was because it was random house wasn't it he published it so it's quite a big publisher but i know random house did a lot of the adaptation of tv shows and so what got you, gave you the idea of Dogface God series? I mean, was you always planning to do a trilogy of those ones? or? Well, I had decided that I wanted to take the six months out and I wanted to write something about Paradise Lost in a modern setting or a futuristic setting. And mm. I love, you know, I love that kind of whole story of the fallen angels and all that stuff. And so I, I had planned to kind of start to write it on spec and then many things aligned like with that money that i put aside from torchwood i was gonna go and and because at that point the dollar was quite cheap against the pound or whatever so i was thinking i'll go my mate was living in america and i thought i'll go and i'll rent a place for three months and write a book it'll be cheaper mm. over there i'll rent my house out here and then it all the, the financial thing crashed so i ended up staying at a friend's house in scotland because my house was rented out and while i was up there a fantasy con was going on about to come on down in i think it was nottingham or one of those ones and one of my leisure books was up for best novel i think it was the taken so i thought right well since i'm in the country i'm gonna go so i went and while i was there uh joe fletcher who was at glance at the time was chatting to steve jones the anthologist and was like is sarah only writing horror and he and thankfully he said, no, no, I think she wants to do lots of other things. So we, I had lunch with Joe. at which point I, she said, I'll pitch something at lunch. So I thought, well, I'll pitch this book. But then I thought, well, if I can get a one book deal, I might as well try and get a three book deal. So I pitched it as a <laughs> And they bought it. So I, that was what stopped me going back to teaching. So yeah, no, to, to, but I think... It was, it kind of made it a more interesting story because I suddenly had to come up with like, you know, big enough story for, for three bits. And looking yeah. back, I think, God, in a lot of ways, I worked so much harder. I mean, the, the plotting in those, you know, I've written sort of three trilogies, although only two really long ones. Mm. And, you know, the plotting is so different to when you're doing a 
you know, a single book, as it were. But yeah, so that that was my mercenary tale of trying to get three books out of one. <laughs> and that is fine. That's fine with that. <laughs> yeah, you got three books out and you got quite a good deal with it, which is, which is great. Um, I actually have met you once before on the Matter of Blood tour. Um, we had you doing a book, oh stuff, book signing in Colchester. That was a long time God, ago. God, that was a long time ago. <laughs> God. Yeah, I remember I'm one of the guys that. Because I, were doing the, doing the I remember that. I remember that because I went with my friend Liz and her parents lived nearby. So we went for lunch before mm. that signing. Yes. Yes, I remember it well. <laughs> Many <God>. years ago. <laughs> I know not the That book came out in 2010. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We were young. We were young and idealistic. <laughs> when I first started doing uh, doing work, so I was like 19, 18. Oh my gosh, <laughs> baby! And they're like, there you go. Do 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 a do a do book signings, okay? <laughs> so let's segue in. What have you brought along for your first bloody good read? Well, I'm going to start with a book that's just come out in America. I'm not sure it's out here yet. And it's called Good Neighbours by Sarah Langham. And Sarah Langham started out, I mean, I say started out, she's she's kind of in my peer group, although she had much better book deals than me. And she was a horror writer. <laughs> um, she had two, she did two really great novels, horror novels, which I should have jotted down the titles for. My, my brain has gone completely... Um, mush on it but when i was starting out she was starting out as well and um you know she wrote these two amazing horror novels and then she kind of drifted off to have some children and i think she took kind of a break and this is her kind of and her foray back into the publishing world and it's really really good and it's it's not a horror it's it's somewhere between i guess a psychological thriller and a, a literary novel really and it's set in a um very posh suburb, kind of, um, kind of like not really a gated community, but like cul-de-sac-y, you know, kind of lovely cul-de-sac in yeah. um, New York State. And it's about the families there and a kid goes missing. And it's really very like the crucible, this rising hysteria and there's a sinkhole and it's, it, but it's, it's really, really good. And, the characterization is great. And I've been on, I found it really hard to, to really get into novels during this pandemic. You know, I found it quite hard to read a lot. And mm. I'm so busy with work on various projects that by the time I get to bed, I'm knackered. But I started it and I just read the whole thing through in like two nights without it being that kind of page turning. Where is my husband? What is he doing? Who has he murdered? You know, it was really gripping in a very more subtle, satirical way. But yeah, really smart read. Cool. So, next after your dog faced God's series, uh-huh. um, where did you go after that? Well, while I was writing the dog faced gods, I was also writing a trilogy, um, a young adult fantasy trilogy called the Nowhere Chronicles. Um, so it was uh-huh. it was quite tricky because I was writing one dog faced gods, then one Nowhere Chronicles, then back to the dog faced gods, then back to the Nowhere Chronicles. So it was you know ideally I would have. And and so they were being published while I was writing the next one. So ideally with the trilogy, you should write the whole thing through, really, because then you can amend anything. But obviously when book one is already out, when you're writing book three, you've really got to, like, I'd written myself into some corners that I had to get out of. 
So yeah, I did the Nowhere Chronicles, which nobody bought because they published them under a different name. I'm not saying that anyone would have bought them under my name, but it didn't help that they were under an entirely different name. Um, but I was really proud of the, those stories. You know, they, that that trilogy was one of my favourite stories, even though it sold about 10 copies. Um, and then after that, yes. So Joe Fletcher left to set up Joe Fletcher Books. So I did two books, of which I'm very proud, but again, they didn't get them in any bookshops, so I think barely sold any copies, called Mayhem and Murder, which were... Um, set in Victorian times and I used real cases and real characters so I used the Thames Torso murders which were going on at the same time as the Jack the Ripper murders and my main character uh, was a, a man called Dr Thomas Bond and a policeman um, called I want to say Henry Moore I think his name is Henry Moore um, and so I kind of used their timelines and the re real newspaper articles and I wove this very supernatural almost vampire novel through mayhem and then in murder we kind of do the second half of uh dr bond it's, it's another dr bond story and it you know culminates in the end of his life but it again uses different real life cases so i was really really proud of those books but they failed to get them in any bookshops i think like the whole of waterstone took like five copies or something so it kind of was the death knell for my relationship with with joe fletcher books um and at the same time um, Gillian Redfern and I had been <laughs> we'd been the first series of um, Once Upon a Time was on like it's the only series I watched mm. but I totally fell in love with it and Rumpelstiltskin and Robert Carlyle and it was just it was really smart and, and we were both quite obsessed about it and texting each other and um, and she then said did I fancy writing some fairy tales for them some like retellings and I was a bit, I wasn't really sure it was my thing. Um, but then I kind of, I had this thought about, I was thinking about, I wanted to write sort of, I wanted to write like, I think Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella were to me the, the big ones that everybody knows, you know? So I wanted to write those and I, I was trying to find a way in and then I was, that would be different. And I, all I could think about was the prince and how in Snow White, he basically just falls in love with a dead woman in a box. And what kind of man falls in love with a dead woman in a box? And so I kind of took that as my starting premise. And actually, I really loved writing those three fairy tales. I had so much fun with them. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of so I've kind of just waffled at you, but that was the next little chunk of my career. <laughs> Hi guys, it's Mark here from the Snakebite Horrorcast, snakebitehorror.com, and Buddy Goodreads. Really hope you enjoyed the episode today. I'd like to bring your attention to a brand new supporter of the podcast. Uh, they are Abominable Books. Uh, it's UK's best horror and thriller fiction book subscription service. They bring the world of horror and thrillers to your door every month for two brilliant prices. It's all the magic of a haunted bookshop summer straight to your door each month. Basically gives you a brand new horror or thriller title, a luxury snack made here in the UK, a mystery second-hand book possibly haunted book and you also get one of our featured magazines like black static glasses and hellbore bookmarks drinks some surprises or two it's such a great subscription box and they are an amazing set of guys so head over to abominablebookclub.cratejoy.com there's even two different tiers of subscriptions you can go for in here so head on over 
to either get a full guts or a bare bones edition of the box. Let us know what you think of the box and give those guys support. Get back to the show. So were they much darker, the, the fairy tale ones? More for an the adult audience tales- or... They're adult. They had quite a lot of sex in them, which was new to me. I'm not a great fan of writing sex scenes. And what I did was I left the sex scenes out and went back and wrote them in afterwards. Um, So I tried to make it the sex. I know. But the sex in them was supposed to reflect the characters. You know, it was so I kind of, it was quite good that I'd finished and then went back and put the sex scenes in. But because I'm always wary of sex scenes because I always think with books, and I say this in just about every talk I ever do, is that you can kill old people you can skin children alive you can murder puppies in books no one thinks that that's what mm. you do in your spare time but you write one sex scene and everybody thinks that's how you have sex <laughs> <laughs> so you know so it was a bit but so they are dark but they're like, also ooh, I now have an insight like, into your life <laughs> i know it's like it's really not it's just a sex scene um but they're, they're I, I think they're very funny and they're very dark and they're very twisty and they've got some you know i i'm, I'm really proud of them and i think there's a woman at company pictures who's determined to get um get get them off the ground as a tv series so i might look at that myself because i think they're they're really good fun you know really good fun mm. go on let's let's uh let's segue into your second pick what is your second okay favorite? Right. Well, I mulled about this. I thought, well, I'm going to go with like a thriller that I romped through, which is called okay. What Lies Bet- What Lies Between Us by John Mars. And he- what I love about John Mars okay. is he's a bit like me, although more successful, in that he jumps genres. You know, he does lots. You don't. You're never quite sure what you're going to get with a John Mars book. He's done hmm. one book called The One, which is coming to Netflix, I think, in March which is about, you know, DNA matching people for their soulmates, which I think there's a ripoff of it in Amazon. But um, yeah, so he and he and he's written his sci-fi books, kind of creepy books, like really mixed. But what lies between us? I mean, he really just, you know, landed in the psychological thriller water with a big splash with it. And it's such a good premise. And you have this woman who keeps her mother locked up upstairs in the spare room and brings her downstairs for meals and stuff and handcuffs her to things and so it's this real dynamic between this mother and daughter and who's good and who's bad but I read it on holiday and I read it in a day but it's really well done and it's actually it's actually got a lot of as it progresses and different layers come away it's actually got a lot of meaning and a lot of depth and emotional stuff that you know without knocking the genre I work in a lot of them don't you know it's kind of a romp you know, and I've written romps, you know, like I'm, I am one of those people, but, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a really, really twisty book, but I basically, I'm just doing a recommendation for John Mars as a whole, you know, because for people yeah. who like something a little more genre, more sci-fi, fantasy, horror he's got, there's something for everybody in his work and he does it all really well. It's quite disgusting. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Sounds actually really good, Archie. That's going to be on my next Netflix as well. Yes. <laughs> I'm basically, I'm just After doing this podcast mine. to get recognitions for myself. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mayhem Murder, and then you start to do, I think it's Death House was next? Yeah, after the fairy tales, I did the Death House, um, which I'm currently adapting for film with Dennis O'Sullivan, who produced uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And is oh, producing. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, we're having a great time on it. Is I really like working with him. It's been a really great experience. 
so yes, Death House, which I think a lot of people think is my best book. There was also The Language of Dying in there somewhere, but that was a novella, um, which I'm very proud of. But um, yeah, The Death House was my next, it was my first kind of proper YA book. Although at first they didn't, I think they tried to market it as an adult novel and it is sort of adult in some ways, but it's mainly YA. And then that led to 13 Minutes. Kind of like a borderline between kind of the YA and the adult, kind of like a transitional book, maybe. Well, no, I mean, I always saw it as a YA. I think think it was a more mercenary thing of they weren't quite sure how to market it as YA because it wasn't something that Galantz really did. So they, Mm. you know, they marketed it as adult and then they realised that actually it was probably more YA. And the same with 13 Minutes, to be honest. When they brought out 13 Minutes Hardback, it was beautiful, but it was £16. Now, I wouldn't spend £16 on that book, and I wrote it. And it was a beautiful hardback, but it wasn't ever <laughs> going to be picked up by teenagers. And then when they came mm. to the paperback, I think it was Jen McHenry, I can never pronounce the surname at glance, she totally revised the cover and made it very teen and very fun. And then Waterstones mm. really got behind that book. And it's still always on the tables at Waterstones. It's, you know, it's sold, it sold over 100,000 paperbacks quietly you know like it's sneakily done it's done its little job so i'm you know that's not that was and i think 13 minutes was my practice book for behind her eyes really because it, i think it was probably my yeah. first straight thrillery book with no weird in it at all okay so kind of like you're calming down from the horror into more psychological thriller which is still technically yeah <laughs> Just yeah it was it was like my it was my first yeah straight thriller and uh, you know i mean like i've got friends who prefer it to behind your eyes you must be very proud of behind their eyes um yes i am super proud of it i mean it has in many ways in fact you know in every way changed my life really because obviously but um Collins really i mean they didn't pay me a huge amount for it because they couldn't justify paying me a huge amount because of my previous sales but um, they they marketed it like they'd spent a lot of money on it. You know, they gave it like a proper big push and, you know, the, the tube posters and the WTF, that ending and all that stuff they did really pushed the book and they got a real buzz going about it. So, you know, it obviously went straight in at number two and then to number one on the hardback charts and then the paperback number one. And then obviously, I mean, Net, uh, Left Bank had bought it, I think, just just as it came out they bought it and then obviously netflix netflix came on board with them and because of all of that then my next book deal was much bigger especially in america you know which could all collapse but financially it's made me quite secure you know i mean obviously we all want more money but it has you know (laughs) when you're going from like you know balancing out you know having to write two books a year just to sort of pay the rent it's quite nice to put the heating on without worrying that I've got to turn it off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it it was an interesting book because it's kind of like, you know, I'll probably never repeat that that kind of talk about factor, you know? Mm. But it's, I remember saying to Urban Welsh once, like, did it bother him that train spotting was always the book that people talked about? You know, like he's written a lot of books and, mm. you know, obviously, you know, some that I think are better or whatever. But 
you know, it's always train spotting that people will come back to. And he said, that's my pension. <laughs> and every and having a book that everyone talks about is, is a good thing, regardless of whether it was 20 years ago now. And it's, you know, I think, you know, even if I never matched that, that kind of buzz that I had with Behind Rise, and it wasn't like Girl on a Train or Gonga, mm. but for me, it was a massive, you know, achievement and a massive buzz. Let's go to your final bloody good read. Well, I, this is one that I'm actually currently reading. So, and I'm going back to the mm-hmm. horror roots here. And there's a writer called Alan Baxter, who is Australian. And he's on my social medias, you know, and I think he writes a lot of fantasy, but I've never read him. And I just saw on Twitter or something the other day, he was talking about um, a book that he'd released called uh, Tales from the Gulp. And it's mm-hmm. five novellas set in a town called Gulp Pepper in Australia. And obviously it's kind of in a vein of Castle Rock or... Josh Malaman's Goblin. Um, and I thought, well, that might be fun. Mm. Uh, so I ordered it off of the Amazon and it arrived the day before yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the second novella and it's got that proper vibe of those old school kind of, and I don't mean old fashioned, I just mean old school, you know, that those kind of castle rock tales and that kind of, yeah. you know, slightly creepy, but they're, because they're novellas, they're quite good. You've got, you know, enough time to sink in. So I'm really enjoying that. And it's it's helping me through my problem with finishing novels <laughs> at the moment, because it's, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, this is a hundred pages each story. I can do that, you know? And, I, and it's quite yeah. nice to read something creepy, a little bit creepy and weird. So that is, um, that's cool. out now, Tales from the Gulp. No, I'm I'm finding it hard to read as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I'm, everybody is. Also doing this podcast, I'm getting a lot more books through. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm finding it difficult. But the only one I've really been doing, doing two books recently, I've been kind of really into. And previous guest, last week's guest, uh, Graham Masterson's just released a new book, uh, The Children of God Forgot. Reading that, really enjoying it. I've also oh, cool. uh, been put onto Matt Shaw, which is a uh, inexperience. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> if you like extreme horror, you're fine yeah <laughs> i'm not so good at the Sorry. you know gory violence doesn't really grip me well it was free so i thought i'll give it a go and uh actually off the back of it as with all things i'm sure that there is very very good mm. kind of gory horror it's just not my thing you know oh yeah. not a lot of people say that <laughs> i got a yeah. co-host on my uh on my film podcast um who refuses to do anything like human centipede or anything like that so if we oh. we're never doing that on the podcast Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, uh, but no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I've, I've started several books and just, just, just really, I, I can't get into them. Especially and the even moment. the ones I'm enjoying, on. even the books I'm enjoying, mm. I find I put them down and then I just don't pick them up again. It's really odd. So it's like, mm. if, you know, I've actually said that I don't want to read any proofs at the moment because I'm not doing them justice. You know, I'm getting a lot of good books mm. through and I'm getting like 80, 100 pages in and then going, ah, oh, can't be bothered rather watch netflix or you know tv or whatever so i don't know what it is it's obviously something pandemic related no i've had it i've, I've, I've had to uh just force myself to record and stuff like that. but i want to sit and watch this <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> yeah but uh so you said earlier that you've been watching a bit more kind of movie wise what have you been watching anything particularly uh new or going uh... to some classics well, I've been more, well, I have done some classics. I did do the Godfather films back to back, which I quite enjoyed. Still but one of my next projects, I'm, I'm writing a space film for a Hollywood studio. 
a space thriller. So I've okay. been sort of dipping into some, you know, trying to get in my zone. And I watched Ad Astra this weekend, which I really enjoyed, okay. which I didn't think I was going to enjoy. Um, and I watched uh, Archive, which I was really enjoying. And I thought they were going to go with a really clever ending. And then they shit the bed at the end. And it was a terrible ending for me anyway. Uh, mm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, damn it. Because that film was really good. It was almost like a psych psych thriller and sort of sci-fi psych thriller. Um, what else? I loved The Serpent. I watched all of that mm-hmm. within about two days. I'm At the moment, I'm really into Superstore. <laughs> On Netflix, which is, <laughs> uh, have you seen it? That's the American version. The American version of um, ah, oh, there's a there's, there was a, a British version originally. I know which uh, which was was that? Ah, uh, yeah, I forgot what the name of it was. It's based on a supermarket, and it's basically life inside a supermarket, isn't it? Yeah, sitcom or superstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's a, a British version. Yeah, I didn't know there'd been a UK version, but it's really clever and fun and sweet, and it's only twenty minute episodes, so you can kind of dipping and out um so i'm quite enjoying that because it's sort of easy viewing but i'm working so much that my tv viewing has gone down quite a lot but i am someone mentioned there's a film on shudder that i want to watch and um yeah a shudder i'm quite enjoying for finding little little horror movies i just enjoy dipping in and out of things and finding little i went through a whole phase of watching 1940s black and white films because i love those and at the start of lockdown i found them really comforting watch old thrillers you know um but yeah Mm. i'm just it's just a lot of work at the moment which i can't really complain about but your latest book came out last year yes um tell us about your new book so dead to her is set in savannah georgia and it's about two second wives in very elite society and um so you know i love savannah it's very kind of oldie worldy it's i suppose the closest you get to sort of that american you know um history bloodlines and all that kind of stuff you know the south Mm. and um so you have one second wife called marcy maddox um and she's kind of been the the pretty young second wife really and then her husband jason his best friend and sort of senior partner and the big boss um there's a man called William and his, he's older and his wife has just died and he goes off on a kind of grief tour of Europe and comes back with a very, very young new wife who, you know, has worked in sort of clubs of London and is a woman of colour and, you know, very kind of different to everybody else in this place. And she starts to put Marcy's nose out of joint and there's kind of a rivalry there and secrets start to sort of spill out and then there's an, a murder or at least an attempted murder and yeah it's kind of this unraveling of society with this, a hint of voodoo in this sort of and this these two this dynamic between these two women and it's very twisty um, and it's being developed by amazon studios so that's quite cool so what are you working on at the moment what what you've got anything coming out this year oh. or no not this year because um because of behind her eyes coming out on netflix and then we've got the paperback Mm. of dead to her in the summer and because basically the year is you know the world is a bit of a mess and books are all over the place Mm. and to be honest i was behind and behind on the new book because because pandemic really but i've also i've been doing i've been doing some tv pilots with a couple of companies i've written a film i've got another film to write i'm in a writer's room for a tv show 
um so i'm the book i'm working on is 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 a psychological thriller um with a bit of weird um and it's about right. a woman who's about to turn 40 and she is a career woman and she's got a stay-at-home husband and she i don't really want to say too much about the premise because it's got a while before it comes oh. out but it's it's about how her life starts to unravel um uh yeah and i mean i, I will say more nearer the time it's coming out but at the moment i am a bit loath to go into the premise too much all right so did you want to kind of, just kind of the area you want to go into more to, into screenwriting and filmmaking or yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and um, I, I mean, Left Bank, who made Net, who made Behind Rice for Netflix, have already got the rights for this new one I'm writing. So um, we, I was trying to write both at the same time, and then, you know, we got a, a pilot episode sorted, but then I really had to stop and write the book, and obviously things have changed once you start writing the book. But that pilot got me. I mean, I've obviously got a UK screen agent, and but it got me a really good LA screen agent. So I've been having meetings with everybody over there via zoom obviously mm. um and you know obviously so now i've got these other jobs and you know I, I really enjoy screenwriting i like the collaborative nature of it you know i mean i love writing books as well because it's so mm. private and personal but yeah i really enjoy the screenwriting awesome thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us today yeah it's it's uh i'm quite looking forward to watching the series um yeah we've got some great book recommendations for me to kind of add to my ever-growing list of books I'm going to try and read. Well, thank <laughs> so, you very much for having me. I'm sorry if I sound a bit blah. I've been like, I've done like, um, it seems to be interviews all day at the moment, which is, you know, first world problem. But yeah, it's good. <laughs> so many interviews, so many interviews. <laughs> well, at least this one we talked about other things other than just behind your eyes, which is nice. And it's always nice to sort of talk about horror a bit. It makes you think about what books you're really enjoying as well. <laughs> so it's quite good to have think of three that I really would recommend. Definitely. Where can people find you? Hiding. Um, I'm on okay. Twitter. As, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Twitter just as Sarah Pimbra, which is nice and easy. Um, and I do have an Instagram of Sarah Pimbra Books. So that's pretty much me. So again, thank you to Sarah Pimbra for coming on today to talk to us. Here on Bloody Good Reads. You can catch me over on Twitter at Bloody Good Reads and my own personal one at Snakebite Horror. If you want to follow the movie podcast and all the things we're doing over there on Bloody uh, the Snakebite Horrorcast. Um, we have a brand new series coming up as well, which is so bad. Is it good? Uh, we already did um, Jack Frost in the episode one, and by the time this episode comes out, we should have dropped the latest episode, which is the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is awful. And you'll hear us talk about our thoughts on that so um yeah follow me over on instagram as well bloody good reads and do come on to the facebook page as well come chat to us about books um give us some of your own recommendations of what we should be reading as well so again as always thank you for listening uh, i've been your host mike goddard and i'll see you next episode <laughs>